Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. I know a lot of women that come to us and, you know, we're like, they're like, I want a hormone test. Like, let's do it. But I'm like, hold your horses because I would love for you to do a hormone test. But I also know that if we do a hormone test and we know that something is off, whether it's estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, whatever it is, I know it's off. Well, it's the, the question, great. We know that, but why? Right. So like every time we see something off, we got to ask why, 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 and unpeel that onion back until, you know, you really find that root. And a lot of the times, um, that is starts with gut. Um, of course, other things too, but gut is one of those things. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. Chris here, and I am back with another incredible guest interview. We are continuing our gut health series, and today we are digging in to gut health and hormones and really honestly, all of the things. So today we are digging into the role that gut health plays in hormone balance, in our mood. We talk about anxiety. We talk about PMS. We talk about, honestly, so many different aspects of how our hormones and our gut are so interconnected and how so many of the simple things that we can do can really make a positive difference in our hormone balance, in our gut health, and helping our gut to help our hormone balance and to help things like mood issues that we might be going through or hormonal imbalances that we might be going through. I know that I talk in the interview and I've talked about here on the podcast often that I have struggled with both hormonal imbalances and gut imbalances and I really didn't understand the connection for a long time. 
But when I really healed my hormones was when I really, or when I really healed my gut was when I really healed my hormones. Healing them in tandem was what made such a difference for me. And today, our guest, Lahana, is going to share with us all about gut health, hormone imbalance, and how everything is interconnected. We talk about the importance of starting small, starting with the basics, not downplaying how important it can be to take care of those basics, to reduce stress in our life, to do those little things, but then how important it is to get tested because so much of this is so individualized. And so she talks about some of the testing that she does with the women that she works with. And it was just such an incredible conversation. I had so much fun. It just felt like a chat with a friend about hormones and poop and all of the things. So if you are into any of that, if you have ever struggled with gut health, with hormone imbalance, with mood, or you're just curious about how all of these things are interconnected, you are going to love today's conversation. So for those of you who don't yet know Lahana, Lahana Vigliano is the CEO of NuvaTrue Wellness and a board-certified clinical nutritionist. She holds a Bachelor of Nutrition Science degree and is almost finished or just finished with her Master's of Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine. She is passionate about women's health, especially gut health and hormones. She's obsessed with natural remedies, research, reading, weightlifting, and cooking. Outside of work, she's a mother of two and wife. Her family is the inspiration behind NuvaTrue and continues to encourage her through everything. So without further ado, let's jump in to our conversation. Welcome, Lahana. I am so excited to have you on the Healthy Balance Mama podcast today. I am so excited to be here. I'm excited to chat hormones and just all the women's health things. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. My listeners know I love talking women's health. So this is going to be such a great conversation. I love learning new things. Um, but I love to start every interview with a fun little icebreaker. So what are you reading these days? Okay. I actually, um, and I'll get into this in my intro. I am done with school right now. I'm on a break. Um, I'm done with my degree, but I'm going to another degree. So right now I am schooled out and I am just wanting to read a fiction. So right now I'm reading The Safe Place. It's like, a, I, I am a romance junkie usually, but this is more of a like, I guess a thriller or drama. So I am excited. It's really good so far. Oh, fun. I have not seen that one. So I'll have to check that out if it's good. I like a good thriller, but I am also someone who I love to read. I read a lot for the podcast. You know, anyone who comes on the podcast with a book, I read their book. I love reading nonfiction, especially about health. But when I just want to relax, I love a good mm. rom-com. That's like my favorite or a thriller. So those are those are my favorites too. So <laughs> yes. I love that. For my listeners who don't know you yet, I already kind of introduced you in the introduction. But can you just share a little bit more about who you are and what you're really passionate about bringing to the world? I know you said that you just finished one degree and you're going on to another. So <laughs> share what you're passionate about. I am. I am passionate about being a student. No, I'm just kidding. I think we all are, um, especially in the space you have to be because health is always changing. But I am Lahana Vigliano. I am the founder of Moody True Wellness. I'm a board certified clinical nutritionist. I just finished my master's degree in human nutrition and functional medicine, and I am going on to my doctorate in clinical nutrition next year. So I have a good 10 month break. Um, I'm insane. I know. Um, I have a passion of bringing the food as medicine aspect into the world of healthcare. Um, I was I knew I wanted to be a doctor since I was like five. I've always wanted to be in healthcare as crazy as that sounds. Cause most people get in their twenties. Like, I don't know what I want to do. I've always knew what I wanted to do, but it's funny. Um, just the full circle. I 
I'm going to be a doctor, but it's not the doctor that I expected to be. Um, I was like aiming for just your regular MD. I was pre-med. I even went through like half my bachelor's was still pre-pre-med. And then I realized how short healthcare comes for us um, who are actually looking to heal and not to put band-aids. So that's actually what brought me into this. It was just kind of a, like a rude awakening when I was, you know, in the class, in classes and also becoming a young mom too at 18. And then we got married and had our daughter. So I had two kids. Um, and I think just having the desire to not have my kids a statistic, me as a statistic in the healthcare world, because, you know, obviously I want to and my goal is to grow up until I'm a hundred and see my great, great, great grandkids. That's like my goal in life. And I just wanted to be able to live that like lifelong, healthy journey. And I want that for my kids as well. So I think just being a young mom pivoted me into this passion as well. So it's kind of what brought me here to what I do today. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. I found very much my in my own journey. So I originally went to school for nutrition. Um, and when I was in school for nutrition, you know, I learned a lot about macronutrients and micronutrients, right? We learned about carbs, protein, and fats. We learned yep. about vitamins and minerals, but, and, you know, we learned how to, you know, balance those out. I was on the dietetics route to start, and then I ended up shifting into sports nutrition. And then what I do nice. now, which is also food as nutrition, but more from the culinary side of things. But I love that. During all of this, right, I was struggling with a lot of digestive issues, which I know is something that you also specialize in. And I was going and seeing doctor after doctor. And, you know, I got this medication or that medication and it would help this thing. But then this thing would happen. And I was going back and forth and I was like, there's got to be there's got to be something else that I can do. Right. There's got to be something. I'm in school for nutrition. There's got to be something I can do nutritionally. And at the time, I was really just diagnosed with um, acid reflux and IBS, which after eventually going into um, and seeing an incredible clinical nutritionist and working with him for several months, was able to tackle both of those things um, nice. with food, with supplements in that way. But I kind of had this inkling, too, that there's got to be something else other than just trying to figure out what medications they were. And these doctors yeah. just literally looking at my scans and going, you're just inflamed. And I'm like, okay, so what do we do about that? And so I love that you have this passion because I think that there is, there's so many gaps in the world of medicine and doctors are so incredible and they do so many important things and they're there for a reason, right? And sometimes medication yeah. is necessary, but there are, there's also, I, there's also so many things that we can do from a nutrition standpoint, right? And so yeah. I love that this is what you do. I love you're passionate about it. I love that you're also a mom of two and yeah. pursuing this. This incredible education and also educating others. So I love it. People come crazy. No, um, I, I agree with you. I think that there's so much more. And I've had lots of different conversations, um, even with like local um, gastro practices here in Austin. And I mean, I've heard it like, you know, straight from their mouth of this is, you know, the medication that we usually start with with like IBS or whatnot. And then, you know, if that doesn't work, well, we look for a different medication. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think just hearing that, even just from like, what? Like, I, I I get it, and I know that there's a time and a place for it, but it just leaves a lot of people super defeated. And it's like, well, I guess I'm either stuck with taking this medication the rest of my life, or I'm stuck with like feeling like this because medication doesn't work. But I've always, 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 and I know we'll talk like testing and stuff, but I've always found stuff. So I I want anyone that's listening who's struggling with things like that, like there is hope, one hundred percent. 
like you're not broken. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there's, there's so many options out there. It's just finding the ones that work for you or the combination of them that work for you. And yes. even if you are in medication, there's also things that we can do nutritionally and supplementally mm-hmm. and in, to improve our health, whatever it is we're struggling with. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is a topic I'm so excited about um, because I've also struggled with hormonal imbalances um, really my whole life, but I was, wasn't was actually diagnosed until I'm 32 now, until I was 27. So I've only known for five years that um, I have an imbalance in my female and male hormones. So I have PCOS as my diagnosis. Okay. Um, but I consider myself in remission now because I haven't had symptoms for several years now, um, which is great. But I have struggled with hormonal issues, just not knowing kind of where they stemmed from for a really long time. And yeah. I also struggled with gut health issues. And what is not talked about in the world, I, I think, or really just the world of health enough is that there is a connection between our gut health and our hormone balance. Yeah. And so... My listeners know, and they are literally 98% women. <laughs> they know I love talking about hormones. They love, they know I love talking about gut health. So I'm really excited to talk about this connection between gut health and hormone balance. So can you just start by giving us an overview? So, like, how is our gut? And I, I know we know our organs are close by, but how is our gut and how are yeah. our hormones? And I know that hormones, I think we're talking a lot about, I mean. We we're talking a lot about female hormones, but we know that hormones are an entire system in our body too. But how is oh, our yeah. gut health and oh, our yeah. hormones connected? How how do they how are they connected? How do they affect each other? Yeah, yeah. I know this is definitely one thing I agree with you. It's not really talked about that much. Um, and it should be because it is really important. I know a lot of women that come to us and you know, we're like, they're like, I want a hormone test. Like, let's do it. But I'm like, hold your horses because I would love for you to do a hormone test, but I also know that if we do a hormone test and we know that something is off, whether it's estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, whatever it is, I know it's off. Well, it's the the question, great, we know that, but why? Right. So like every time we see something off, we ask why, 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 why? And unpeel that onion back until you know you really find that root. And a lot of the times um that is starts with gut. Um, of course, other things too, but gut is one of those things. Um and I, and I mentioned that because I like to make sure that people work, especially when they're doing like functional medicine testing, it's not like cheap. So I want to make sure that people are working like in the right order. Um, especially when they're sharing like how they're feeling. And even just by symptoms, we can kind of send up red flags in our head of like, okay, yeah, this might be a little off. So it was starting with gut. Um, the gut is connected to everything. And I think it's so incredible. And I feel like even the people who specialize in gut, um, whether it's a gastroenterologist or like us who specialize in gut health, like, honestly, we still don't know like (laughs) 1% of it. Like, I feel like there's so much of the microbiome that is unknown and research is still coming out. I think it's really exciting. Um, so anyone that tells you they know every single thing about gut, I'm like, no one actually knows anything about the gut. We're actually just one big walking microbe if I'm being completely honest, but, um, I will, I will do a little side note before I mention it. Adrenals are really big in sex hormones, which makes our stress hormone. Um, and I say this because a lot of underlying gut infections and imbalances, whether it's bacteria or yeast or parasites, a lot of that is very, very stressful on the body. Um, so when we think about adrenal health, um, we think about like, that's a really tough job I'm doing. I'm struggling in this relationship. I was in traffic for four hours a day. Like those are the external stressors we think of, but we really don't think of the 
internal stressors and the gut holds a lot of the internal stressors and then that affects sex hormones. So sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, a lot of it really is a symptom of something bigger. Um, having high estrogen, having low testosterone, high testosterone, those are actually not the root cause. It's what's causing them to be out of balance. So they to me are like one of the last dominoes to actually be affected. So that's kind of how it stems in the sense of gut adrenal then affecting sex hormones way. And then the other way is that when there is an imbalance in the gut, um, a lot of the bacteria actually are connected to having uh, influence on an enzyme called beta glucuronidase. And what this enzyme does, and it's increased just by having too much E. coli, um, which sounds crazy because I think we think food poisoning, but it's actually a naturally reoccurring species in the gut. Um, and the gut's always like fluctuating. It'll never be perfect. And this is coming from like a perfectionist, just FYI. Anytime I get lab tests back, I'm like, how can we perfect this? <laughs> but um, when it's really high, strep, staph, E. coli, these are the things that increase this enzyme. And what this enzyme does is it basically think of your hormones and they're like packaged in a little present and it's ready to be excreted out of the body. Well, this enzyme actually unties your package and it allows it to get reabsorbed back into the body. So this is one of the reasons why like estrogen dominance can occur. So you're trying to like your detox through it and now you're trying to make it leave and it's getting reabsorbed. Um, so that's another huge, 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 I would say probably the biggest connection I see with hormones and gut. That's so interesting. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I love that analogy of like, okay, it's ready to go. And nope, not, not time. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> like come back to the party. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So then you mentioned a couple things that might be going on with our gut. I'm curious, how do we know if our gut health is affecting our hormone balance? So for the woman listening, who's yeah. like, okay, maybe I have gut health. Is it affecting my hormones? Or maybe I have a hormone imbalance. How do I know if, I mean, we've kind of established that our gut is likely yeah. part of it. So how do we know? Yeah. Um, testing is going to be your main, main, main thing to do. And that's why, honestly, a lot of women coming to us that have symptoms, it is obvious that there's hormonal stuff going on, but we usually will start with stool testing. And I, I like the looks are awesome. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm coming to you for like hormones. Why are we testing my poop? And I'm like, promise there's a reason. And it is for this reason, because I want to make sure that we're checking off boxes of what are those underlying factors that could be throwing off your hormone. Because like I said, you can do hormone testing all you want. I see hydrogen. Great. Well, guess what we got to do a stool test. So you might as well just get that done out of the way. So um, we do like a functional medicine stool test that tests for the microbiome, like parasites, yeast, bacteria, but it also tests for inflammation, digestion markers, short-chain fatty acids, how your immune system's working, the whole shebang. But it actually does test for this enzyme beta-glucuronidase. That way we can kind of know like, okay, this is high. We do have to try to inhibit this and make sure that we're bringing down those bacteria levels that it's, you know, making this high in the first place. Mm, okay. I want to backtrack really quick because mm -hmm. I think I skipped too far ahead. What are some <laughs> symptoms or what are some really common symptoms you see of hormone imbalance um, that, you know, could be linked to these kind of gut health issues? Okay. Or the, I guess the um, gut health, sorry, the gut health, that didn't, that didn't come out right. <laughs> so, so what are, I guess, what are some of the symptoms of hormone imbalance that you see that could be linked to the gut? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. And I, I will say too, it's funny because so many hormonal imbalances, like symptoms are the same. So if it's high testosterone, high estrogen, thyroid problems, like I feel like all the hormones, like they're very similar. So usually we see like 
struggling to lose weight, um, really bad fatigue, bad PMS. So really painful periods. Um, I would say even like water retention. Um, what are some other things that I see? I said fatigue, um, even headaches. I definitely see headaches a lot too. I would say that those are probably the, my most common that I, that stand out to me. Um, when I think of hormonal imbalances, of course, the obvious, so like irregular cycles, not only painful, but irregular cycles, skipping cycles, et cetera. Well, I think what's so interesting is all those things you listed are things I think a lot of women brush off as just like, mm-hmm. oh, well, it's just normal to have a period that's super painful or it's just you know normal to feel bloated all the time or to feel fatigued all the time or to have I have these headaches, you know, on and off. And it's like, no, if these things are reoccurring, then it, just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. Something might be imbalanced. And I think I didn't even realize that there was another way to live until I started healing my PCOS and I stopped having uh, like PMS at all. I literally, yeah. it literally, I have an app, but it, it needs to have some sort of an alarm on it. That's like, Hey PS, guess what's going to happen soon? Cause it <laughs> sneaks up on me every single month. And I'm like, yeah, it does. I've, I've been, I've had my cycle for like 20 years now and every month it's still like, and it wasn't coming every month for a long time either. My cycles were super irregular and that's that. And plus some other symptoms were what brought me into my doctor initially to, yeah. for healthcare practitioners to actually get me some sort of a diagnosis. Um, but you know, that that's that's why we're chatting because it, mm-hmm. it's hard because I think a lot of those, I had a lot of similar symptoms too or in that bucket of symptoms that I would have chalked up to, you know, not getting enough sleep or which is obviously Aging. a symptom. Yeah, exactly. I'm just getting older. I'm tired. Yeah. I've got two kids, right? And so, but mm-hmm. looking back and going, wow, I don't experience that anymore because I've worked on healing my hormones and also my gut. So I think that's so, that's that's so interesting. So for the woman listening who's like, oh my goodness, I have like <laughs> all those symptoms. It could be your hormones. I think they're really, yeah. they're really common. Hormone imbalances are really common, I think, and yeah. more common than we think. Um, but there's so much that we can do to, yeah. to take care of our hormones. Agreed. So I, I love, love that you said that you also like this, like you knew this level, but then when you actually started healing, like you like went up a level. And then when you realize like what that next level is and you're like, holy crap, I've been living at this level, like below, (laughs) but this was like your normal at one point. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is amazing. Actually, it was funny. My husband and I were having a conversation in the car the other day. Um, I have a friend who's pregnant and we were talking about some symptoms that she was having and he was joking because I have two kids. You do too, right? And so she's, she's newly pregnant and she's not, you know, she's never had any kids before. And so she's asking me, she's like, is this symptom normal? Is this symptom normal? And I'm like, okay, if you think it's, if you're really concerned, like go to your doctor, I am not a doctor, but from my experience, there are a lot of symptoms that are normal and mm-hmm. it's or quote unquote normal. You really just mm-hmm. have to go. And there's not much you can do other than go to your doctor and be like, what is, is this normal? Is this not? But anyway, I was yes. talking to my husband about, um, he's like, those symptoms just sound like PMS symptoms. And I was like, Hey, I don't even have PMS anymore. And he was like, you don't. And he just sort of realized it. And I was like, no, I was like, I don't have the like terrible back pain, the terrible cramping, like the headaches, the super fatigue, any of these things before (laughs) cycle anymore. But it's interesting because I did work on healing my gut in tandem, in tandem with working on healing my hormones, but I hadn't really made that connection. Like we're kind of making today. So 
let's talk about the food side of things because that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm also a chef. I have a nutrition background, but I'm a chef and I love to talk I about love that. So what foods do you recommend for gut health first and foremost? So if you're like, these are like the top things that you could add in or even things that, you know, you might want to shift away from, what are those main things that we can add in for gut health and maybe even specifically relating to hormone balance? Or if, you know, you want to give some hormone specific foods too, let's dig into the food side of things. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely you can never go wrong with like, nourishing fruits and vegetables. And I will say too, everyone's very different. So we find people who can't have broccoli and people that can. So like, even though these are pretty basic food groups, um, everyone's still pretty different. Um, but for the most part, fruits and vegetables and high quality protein, I, I think protein's like my rock star personally, um, because I see so many women that do not get enough by any means. And, um, it's, honestly, the secret to me, like to anti-aging, because as we lose muscle against aging, like there's nothing else we can do um, about that. It's just aging process, but we can support with good protein to reduce that and age very well and support our hormones and support our detoxification. Protein is so huge. And so high quality protein, um, organic grass-fed wild caught seafood, like such a fan of high quality protein. Um, and also healthy carbs. I know in this day and age, everyone's scared of, I don't know right now. It's like, it's still carbs, but what I'm telling you, like we already went through our fat phobia now in the carb phobia, I'm telling you like next decade, it's going to be like a protein phobia. Um, (laughs) and I say that because it's really silly because all of this really does matter. And studies do show that, um, a lot of the drastic things like going keto. So going high fat can, can mess with actually beta glucuronidase and your microbiome and stuff. And so I find that there needs to be a really healthy balance between everything of carbs, proteins, and fats. They all play a role. And so like our healthy favorite carbs are, um, are going to be like, uh, potatoes and, um, gluten-free grains. One of the things I would mention that I see a lot of to avoid is wheat. In my opinion, I just feel like it's just not the same the way it used to be. It's definitely not the bread Jesus broke bread with. And it's definitely even not the bread that the Europeans eat. Um, ours is so different here in the U S and there was a study and it has always stuck out to me, but it showed that no matter who you were, there were people that were celiac, people that were sensitive, people that were allergic. And there's your average person that has like no allergy sensitivity, celiac to wheat. But in every single person in that study showed that they had increased intestinal permeability, AKA leaky gut. And even in the average person, so you can't use the excuse of like, Oh, but I'm not sensitive. Oh, but I'm not allergic. Oh, I don't have celiac. No, it still affects you. So I love helping people switch to even honestly, more nutrient dense options anyway, like instead of regular nasty white flour tortillas, do like almond flour tortillas. Like just, there's so much more nutrient density in other foods. Um, not saying that you have to avoid like pasta. Like we love jovial brown rice pasta. It's like our mm-hmm. freaking favorite and you would never tell the difference. But, um, I think all of those are really important. And for hormones, I would actually highlight cruciferous vegetables and even citrus fruits, um, because they are high in glucuric acid. I think I said that correctly. Um, which also helps inhibit beta glucuronidase, that enzyme. So we all know citrus and cruciferous is those broccoli, kale, cauliflower, Brussels. Did I say kale? Um, I feel like most of the majority of vegetables, to be honest. Um, Those cruciferous vegetables help promote proper hormone detoxification in the liver. Um, So... I don't actually, I don't know if we'll chit chat about hormone testing. Maybe we will, but I love, um, the Dutch yard hormone testing for this reason. And this is where we start emphasizing more cruciferous vegetables is because your estrogen can go down different pathways. 
and it can go down a more protective pathway, which is should most of it, 80% of it should. And then the other two pathways, 4-OH and 16-OH can be really dangerous and can actually damage DNA, increase your risk for breast cancers. Um, Some of them can give you those intense PMS feelings, but you could actually have like perfect estrogen and all that. So this is uh, something that I feel is is missed because if they look at your hormones, like, oh, your actually hormones are are within range. It's fine. But your your detox is favoring the 16-OH and can give you like estrogen dominant symptoms. This could be a reason for, you know, needing to focus on cruciferous vegetables to help shift that more protective pathway. So cruciferous vegetables really, really, really shine um, in both gut health and hormones. So that would probably be my number one thing to recommend there. Mm, Okay. Well, I have a follow-up question then. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to talk for a couple minutes about this, about detoxing mm-hmm. specifically and detoxing our hormones. So I think there's detox is a buzzword in the health mm-hmm. world. And there are so many things out there that are like, you know, this detox tea is going to fix all of your health issues and you're going to lose <laughs> 20 pounds this weekend. And we, we, I think most of us listening are understand that that's a gimmick and we're not just going to, sure. we're not going to. Those things aren't going to happen. Um, and if you're listening, um, maybe listen to some of the other episodes with some of my other experts, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Including this one. Keep listening uh, because that's that's not the way to go. But it is important that we support our body's detoxification system, right? So the liver, mm-hmm. the kidneys, depending on what we are detoxifying. And detoxifying estrogen is one of those things. So yeah. do you recommend that like the average woman work yeah. on uh, focusing on maybe eating certain foods or, you know, drinking certain drinks or, you know, is there anything specific that she, that the, just the average woman should do to help support estrogen detoxification? Or is this something where you're like, well, it's really, if you've done the testing and we see that it's going down the wrong pathway, where do you kind of stand on that? And how can we sort of do that? How can we support our bodies in that way? For supplements? Yes. Like I don't really recommend a lot of supplements unless there's testing for it. I'm only because it's a lot stronger, but I think for food, we can definitely, all of us can start on the basics. So I think we can all start with cruciferous vegetables, like eating more vegetables. I mean, we all know that like we need to do that. Um, and that naturally helps support detox. But if you really look at like liver detox, um, which is the main organ that, um, really takes the burden of a lot of detoxification. And I agree with you. I think, um, I see it on social media and stuff of like, you know, and this is, note, this is more like non-holistic people. We're like, you don't need a sport detox. Like you, you have organs that know how to do it. But the thing is, is that we're exposed to so many more toxins in this day and age than we ever have been. And that's why we do have to prioritize it. Just supporting your natural body detox. Cause yeah, like no, no, like special tea or supplement is going to help you do that. So if you look at the foundations of what the liver needs to actually function is going to be in phase one and phase two and phase one needs a lot of nutrients. It's actually really, really reliant on a lot of B vitamins, um, a lot of antioxidants, vitamin C, vitamin E, um, because a toxin, whether it's estrogen or toxin that's coming into phase one of your liver, it's going to actually be more dangerous leaving phase one. So it needs to quickly shift into phase two and just like Mm -hmm. assembly line. So the B vitamins, all your nutrients will support phase one. Antioxidants will support your body, making sure to minimize damage of 
the hormone and the toxin leaving phase one, but phase two is going to be so reliant on protein, um, like really reliant on protein. And this is where I see the whole detox phases because they'll do like juice cleanses or just, I don't know, all these things that really like nourish you and give you lots of nutrients, but they lack protein. So what people are doing is that they're shuttling all this through phase one, yet it's damaging them. It's actually causing it because their phase two is really sluggish because they're not having enough protein. So that's why I'm like so pro balance of yes, getting your fruits and vegetables and getting all those nutrients, but then you also need the high quality protein so that that detox pathway can work well. And then, you know, pooping is phase, phase three. So that's where gut health comes in. Um, so if you're not pooping every day, you're not detoxing. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So that was such a great explanation of it. Like yeah. really, really great because I think most of the people listening probably, and I'm like thinking back to like pictures of the whole detox. Right, right. There's been a long time <laughs> since I've, you know, was studying holistic nutrition and like, that I actually really thought about this because I, I don't practice like you do. Um, but it's, it is so true. And I know I see a lot of people doing those. Like I'm a huge fan of green juice too, especially, you mm-hmm. know, more greens than, than not. Right. Um, but they also, when I, and I'm, you know, in my earlier years of not knowing as much as I do about the importance of balance, the importance of protein and healthy fats and all that, I've been on plenty of juice cleanses and I'm always like starving and hangry the whole time. And I yeah. realized it's because, well, you know, my blood sugar is not balanced. And so then what I end up doing is, or what I ended up doing, I don't do this anymore, but what I ended up doing was doing like, you know, making it through like two or three days of this juice cleanse, feeling hangry, feeling, you know, awful, super fatigued. And then I was like, well, I've done it. So then I'm just going to go, you know, eat all these things that I know don't make me feel very good. And then I feel like I'm just picturing them in my head, like everything like in phase one of my detox, just like bogged up. <laughs> just, like, yes. My body's like, what <laughs> is happening? <laughs> and so yes. yeah, that's those natural things we can do to support it, you know, making sure that we are pooping regularly is such an important mm-hmm. thing. My friends know that I'm the person they can come to talk to about poop. You never have Amen. to be shy Amen. talking to me about poop because, I mean, not just the digestive issues I've, I've, you know, gone through. It's like, no, this is, it's such an important part of our health. And we don't realize that, you know, regularly going is a signal that our bodies are, or it's one signal that our bodies are doing what they're supposed to do. They're getting yeah. rid of that excess waste. And so- I love that. There are things that we can all do, you know, eat more of those cruciferous vegetables, get lots of those veggies and that fruit, but get get in that protein. So huge. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So I would love to shift into talking about some more lifestyle shifts too. I know I love talking about the food, mm-hmm. but I would love to talk about what are some of those lifestyle type things that like the the average woman can do, whether or not she's gotten this testing and she knows that she has a hormonal imbalance, a gut imbalance or both which is oftentimes the case. What are some of those lifestyle things she can do? Um, And then maybe some supplements that you would recommend. I know that supplements are super, super individualized, but if there are like, you know, general, this is really helpful if you're experiencing these symptoms, I would love to kind of hear what your recommendations are. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest lifestyle thing is going to be reducing stress. Um, and I know like, that's very different for everyone. And I like even keeping it simple of just like making time for doing, you know, doing something you love, but ultimately when we're stressed, we, our immune system is de- decreased and that's what allows things to get, to be overgrown in the gut. 
um, and as well as just like that direct correlation of stress to our hormones, but making time for doing something you love that journaling and meditation and therapy, like whatever works for you um, to reduce stress, I think is the number one thing we could all work on. And a lot of the time when you start talking about stress, it's, it's really hard decisions too, of like assessing what's stressing you out and like, what do you need to change? Like, maybe that is your work stressing you out. What does that look like? Does that mean finding a new job? Does that mean having a hard conversation with your boss? And these are all the things I think we all want like quick fixes, but like, I find that most people will not find healing unless they start really working on reducing this and taking this into consideration too. Um, going back to pooping, totally right up your alley. Like my husband jokes that I cannot leave a conversation without talking about poop, which may or may not be true. Um, but every, you do need to go to the bathroom every day. Um, and I find that, you know, if constipation is an issue, yeah, there's supplements, magnesium citrate. I mean, yeah, those are those things. Um, Senaleaf, I know there's like the poop, 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 ease. What is it called? Oh, there's a tea that has like a different blend of like herbal laxatives, which is great. But going back to lifestyle, I actually find myself and I find myself in that situation. It's honestly when I'm just like really busy and my body never really has time to rest. And I always have the best bowels, consistent bowels when I have like a, just like a routine, but not just a routine, like having time to actually sit down in the morning and like planning my day. And I'm just drinking my matcha and I'm just, you know, doing all these things. I'm like, I don't know. My I talked to this with one of my dietitians. It's so crazy because I'm like, oh, my body's at rest. It's like, oh, you got to go for your morning poop and it will happen. When I don't, when I'm like out the door, just scrambling. And I do believe that we are in charge of our life. I know you might feel like in the season, like, oh, I can't, I'm so busy. I believe that you can change that if you really, really wanted to change that. Um, I really do. And maybe if it's a job and you can't change that like hour, you can get up earlier. You can go to bed earlier to get up earlier to have that peaceful morning. Um, but going to the bathroom is really important. And then I love L-glutamine. I feel like that's a pretty basic supplement, um, to help support the intestinal lining. Um, it's amazing for your intestinal cells. And then, um, calcium to glucose is also really great. I, can't think of anything off the top of my head of any things to like watch out for, but calcium to glucose, it helps inhibit the beta glucuronidase enzyme, but the enzyme is also helpful too. So you don't want it too low. So yes, testing for supplementing that with that is great, but that's a wonderful supplement. If you do struggle with having this higher level of enzyme. Mm. L-glutamine was one of those supplements that I was introduced to on my gut health journey. And I don't know what it, I mean, I know that it's really it's really helpful, but it was one of those things that really authentically made a difference and made me feel yes. better. I think because it reduced so much of that inflammation in my gut, it was like it, just in a few weeks, I started feeling better. I started feeling like things were more regular. It was really interesting. And I'm like, what did I change? I literally just added the L-glutamine. And I know that everyone's different. Everyone's body is different. But it was what it. my body needed at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was one of those that I know that I, I go back to whenever my gut health is or my Whenever I get a little bit off, I have like a little, I have mini flare ups every now and again. And whenever I do, it's because I'm stressed out. So yes, I, yes. 100% with you on, we really can make changes to our lives when we need to. But I think sometimes we just need that little push yeah. that we need to take that time for ourselves. And yeah. our health depends on it. 
And I think we we hear it so much. We talk about we talk about reducing stress and we talk about self-care on the podcast so much because almost every expert I have come on is like, you need to take care of yourself. You need to find ways to reduce stress. And I feel like I hear the moms listening go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm supposed to do that, but I don't have time. Exactly. But exactly. (laughs) You you have to. I mean, even I remember one of my professors said that it's amazing how many health issues go away, even when you help someone understand and find the the reason that they're even here on this earth. Like that inner passion, that inner source of why am I here? And once they find that a lot of their health issues start to go away. So like, I mean, there's so much internally um, stress and how we feel mental health. I know it is one of those. That's why I'm saying like, when you get, when you talk stress, you kind of get on a soapbox and everyone just kind of tunes it out. Like, it's like, I'm in the season of life, which you may be in a season of life, higher stress. I do believe that you can change and improve that. I don't think that that has to be your life, even with little kids. And I'm, I'm the woman that juggles all the hats. I have gone to school full-time, worked full-time, ran a business and raised kids. So I totally understand juggling and having a lot on your plate. I just still think it's, I still think it's doable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Coming from you. I mean, if you think it's doable, it's doable, right? It's doable. It's those times I think we, it's the times we think that we don't have time to take care of ourselves. We need to take care Mm -hmm. of ourselves the most. It's just figuring out how to do that. And sometimes it's the simplest things, right? Like, it's taking a couple minutes to breathe. It is, yep. It's taking those couple <laughs> minutes to journal. It's meditating for five minutes. It's doing something mm-hmm. like, like just something little you can to bring yourself to that place of feeling less stress. And the more we can do that, the more we we let our bodies, you know, be in that place of feeling a little bit less stressed, especially in those crazy busy seasons. So, okay. Yes. So let's, let's dive in then. This is something I already, I already wanted to ask you about. But let's talk about, we were already talking about stress. Let's talk about our gut health and our mood and our emotions. Because as much as we can do things to reduce our stress, I am someone who doesn't just have gotten hormone issues, but I've also struggled with anxiety my whole life. So I'm just a whole fun bag of (laughs) all I feel you. (laughs) So I want to know more about gut health and anxiety and mood and how improving our gut health can help to improve our mood. Yeah. Oh no, I'm totally with you. I will, I will say like, that's my downfall. Like I can have movement down. I can't have food down, but like reducing stress is like the thing I have to focus on. Like, that's the thing that I, my weakness, I guess, so to speak. So I understand how the balance, like in the forcing you to be able to do that. And with that can lead into like anxiety. So I know when I'm getting overwhelmed, if I start feeling anxious, I'm like, all right, got to back off. Got to listen to my body. What do I need to do? But I think it's amazing. The connection, the gut brain connection, I should say, because there is the enteric nervous system and it goes from your brainstem into your stomach. Um, your vagus nerve is a part of that. And um, I mean, if we really think about it, it's all intertwined, even when we're in that fight or flight stressful mood um, that actually downregulates gut motility. So I don't know if you've been really stressed and you would eat and it just kind of feels like it sits there. It just doesn't digest right because that's the whole, like your whole nervous system and your gut. It's like, it's just so intertwined. I think it's so incredible, but certain bacteria can actually produce neurotransmitters that influence mood. So these are things like dopamine and serotonin and GABA. So serotonin is a neurotransmitter that plays a role in like happiness and just mood, um, which is why a lot of, um, antidepressants and stuff are 
based around serotonin. Um, dopamine, that's our reward and pleasure. And then our GABA is our very calming neurotransmitter. So it's really important for more of the anxious people. So um, the bacteria in your gut influences the production of these. So I think that's incredible because if you do have low serotonin, truly, it's is the answer to just give a medication that creates that, or is it to address the gut bacteria that plays a role in making serotonin? Um, and I mean, this is not just me and it's not just a theory. I mean, there's studies to back it up and stuff. I also find, um, parasites. I don't know if I've ever, I think I might've found some research on it, but I think just clinically, I see this. Um, I see a lot of anxiety really high when people have parasites. Mm. Um, it makes sense because that's a very, it can be a very inflammation, um, generating thing. So inflammation can definitely cause anxiety. It causes that internal stressor. Um, so parasites are definitely linked to anxiety as well. So with everything, when you look at anxiety, it is a symptom of something more, and it possibly could be something you can change externally lifestyle. But like, I, I usually will want to run a stool test on people with anxiety. And I, I swear, like, I think there was only one person that I didn't find anything in, mm-hmm. but most people I find something off. So there's just a really strong connection, mostly with the neurotransmitters. I know that's definitely very well research-based. So would you recommend then something like a prebiotic or a probiotic or something like that to help with someone with anxiety? Are there specific strains that are, you know, more helpful? I know that there are the strains of bacteria that help to produce them, but is there something that we could, you know, supplement with or some foods that we could eat, something we could do to kind of help our gut health if we are struggling with anxiety? Yeah, there's definitely just a basic probiotic I think would be helpful um, for anyone. Um, I think supporting with healthy carbs, those potatoes and healthy starches will help feed, right? Because it's not just about replenishing them. Like, okay, you take a probiotic or replenish them, but we got to make sure that the environment is thriving. Like it can make them thrive. And that's where those um, starches that they can eat on and then producing short chain fatty acids, which also helps colon, colon health in general. Um, so I think producing and eating the right, like starchy foods as well as not starchy foods. I mean, everything does play a role in, um, in your diet, but also replenishing them. And I would say if you have, haven't had a test, I mean, I love like even Claire labs, their biotic. I mean, that's a pretty basic one. It has lactobacillus and bifido, but one thing I do love about stool testing, at least the one we do, it assesses your probiotic and like the bad. So like the E. coli and staph and all that. Um, but I love that test because then I can see exactly what strains you're low in and I can mm. supplement you the ones that you actually need. So there's definitely a still a chance that you could be taking like this pretty good basic probiotic has a lot of things, but maybe all those strains you actually aren't low in. And that's why testing helps. So you're not frustrated with like, Oh, I'm trying everything natural. It's not working. Um, so I mean, yes, food and diet supplements, um, prebiotics are helpful, but I like to actually get those via food if I can. Um, unless there is a resistant starch, those are really great too, for supporting your bacteria. So it's like potato salad, cooked in cold potatoes, cooked in cold rice, um, green banana flour, things like that can help, um, promote the growth of bacteria as well. Mm, It's so fascinating because I think we think anxiety, we think mood issues and we're like, 
well, I've just got to go and I've got to start like top down. Right. But oftentimes it, it, it is related to those gut issues where I'm like, it's not bottom up, sort of. <laughs> kind of, yeah, actually. <laughs> kind of bottom up. We have to also focus on too, because yes, there is the you know outside things that can really help us. Going to therapy, I'm a huge advocate of therapy, going to therapy, reducing our stress, mm. but getting, you know, going to see a nutritionist and going, can I get some testing done and figure out if my gut health is out of whack? And so how do our hormones play into this too, to bring kind of hormones back into things when it comes to our mood? I know that we have our stress hormones, um, but how does that play into things like anxiety, depression, or even like hormone-related mood disorders like PMDD? So how does that kind of play in? And what do you recommend? Where do you recommend people start for that other than kind of like the this obviously the stool testing for the gut health side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's definitely hypothyroidism, which is huge in women now. Um, that also causes depression. Um, with hypothyroidism, you can kind of think that's like the king of our metabolism and it's a huge controller of like all the body's processes. But um when you think hypothyroidism, you think everything's sluggish. So that also includes sluggish mood, so like depression. So I see that a lot as well. Um, I would say blood sugar is so huge here. Just blood sugar balance. I'm um, really trying to aim for that. So eating enough, can't even, I can't even recommend that enough of eating mm-hmm. enough because so many women come to us and they're not eating enough. They're mm-hmm. eating actually the amount toddlers need like 1300 calories. And that could be the reason for anxiety, um, or just trying to fast or intermittent fast or whatever. And maybe their hormones are just not in a place to do that. And so that's very stressful in the body. So when that happens, when your blood sugar is like on this crazy roller coaster, um, when your blood sugar drops, adrenaline releases, and that leaves us with anxiety. So if we don't eat enough or don't eat just consent, like often enough, then you're going to fall into that anxiety thing too. And I totally have felt that before when I would eat breakfast a little bit too late, then I would start to feel blood sugar drop. I could feel my adrenaline kicking in to help kind of shuttle that glucose from stored places into my bloodstream. And then later on an hour later, I have anxiety and that's why. Mm -hmm. So I love the, the blood sugar hormone, um, relation to anxiety as well. But, um, yeah, that's kind of all I want to say about that. Okay. I think you just dropped a couple bombs, not for me, but I think for the women listening who are like, wait a second, what do you mean? All of these diets out there tell me that I'm supposed to eat like 1200, 1300 calories. And I was in that place years ago when I, yeah. I did fitness competitions and it was like, oh my I mean, gosh, it was when I was bodybuilding, it was a little bit more than that, like a little tiny bit more than that. But that's yeah. what the recommendation was always like baseline, like, you know, the normal that I'm using quotation marks, the normal person should eat about 2000 calories a day. But you know, if you're a woman who wants to lose weight, you need to eat 1200. And when I found out that that is literally what a toddler needs, like 1200, 1300 calories, I'm like, and I have a toddler and she eats quite a bit some days. And I'm like, how is it that grown adults, professionals mm-hmm. are recommending other grown adults to eat the amount a toddler does? I actually wondered that. Um, cause I know it's super unhealthy and we've seen people like, like you have done it, but like years, decades later, they have so many issues. It's insane. But I've always wondered, because I've never like worked with anyone uh, like me, myself, I haven't worked with a trainer or someone, someone that specializes in it. I'm always wondered, like, I wonder how much like they can eat, like how much they're yeah. allowed to. Is it, is it because it's so uh, small amount of food? Well, like what I would eat very small amounts, like all day long, 
basically just so that I wasn't constantly hungry <laughs> was what okay, it was. Okay. But it was like a very, it was a very small amount of food. It was mostly focused on lots and lots of protein, um, which is good. And I actually yes. started eating more protein when I was bodybuilding because I was trying to gain muscle. And I actually did start feeling a lot better in, in, in certain ways, right? I wasn't constantly hungry all the time. My blood sugar was a little bit more balanced. But it was so, so little. And I ended up that was it was right after my time bodybuilding that I ended up experiencing such severe hormonal imbalances that I ended up getting my PCOS diagnosis. So I was eating super little. I ended up like my I ended up having an adrenal crash after doing my last bodybuilding competition. And uh, it was like a month after I woke up one morning and I was so tired and I was so exhausted, but I thought in my head that I have to go and lift weights and I could not even lift a 10 pound weight. And I was like, what? Because I was lifting way more than that at that point. And I was like, what is going on with me? And I was so scared that there was like something going on. So I went to the doctor and that was, that was how I got in the rabbit hole of, wow, there is something not right. And it was like, well, your, you know, your stress hormones are shot because you've been eating so little for so long and you've been pushing your body so much for so long. And I think so many of the women who are out there who are like, well, I just want to lose some weight or I want to feel better. And so I'm going to go on this plan or that plan. And they're so, they're so restricted. And it's like, no, you have to eat enough. (laughs) Not just to, to feel good, but to allow your, but to give your body the nutrients to to heal really. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so crazy that women come to us and they're like, when we actually, and we're not like calorie counters by any means, but I do yeah. think it's a great tool to make sure you are eating enough. Yeah. Um, cause most people actually use it to restrict and we use it to add. Yeah. Um, so when we actually look at what they're eating, I'm like, okay, no, you need to be eating like based on activity, like 1800, 1900, 2000, 2100. They're like, what? <laughs> like, I don't think I can do that. Like, I mean, you've got to slowly work your way up, but yeah, yeah. Like this is the issue of why you're tired, why you're having hormonal balances. Like you can't expect to, I always say like your hair and your reproductive system, uh, of course, like as women, we like love our healthy hair and we love to be able to reproduce babies and have good periods and all that. But like, why, why do you expect that to be optimal when you're eating so little because your body is always going to prioritize survival. It's going to prioritize your brain, your lungs, your heart. You don't need babies to be alive. So that's one of the first things to go. You don't need hair to be alive. So that's also one of the first things to go. And so I think we just need to shift that um, thinking or think about it in that way of fueling your body and what that's going to do for your hormones in the long run. Like you can't expect to put in little gas and be thriving. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And I've seen that, you know, very much firsthand for myself uh, and a lot of my friends. So I'm like, you you need to eat more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, we have that conversation. I'm like, I, I promise you, you will feel so much better. If you balance your blood sugar and you are eating more consistently, it makes such a difference. And there really is these simple things. Like, I love that everything that you've mentioned is other than, you know, there's a couple of supplements they can go out and, and get, right? But other than that, these are simple things. These are simple things we can add in. They're simple practices that we can do. None of this is crazy outrageous. If you are in a point yeah. of distress with your hormones or with your you know, gut health, then that's when you go and see someone and you get the testing done and you really exactly. dig in. Because if you are, are at that point, if you tried all the things, then you need to go see someone. I'm a huge advocate for that too. But a lot of these things are really simple things that we can do. We can make sure we're eating more. We can make sure we're eating enough protein. We can add in more cruciferous vegetables. It's the time 
of the year to add in more cruciferous vegetables, add in more citrus. We can do these things and it doesn't have to be crazy hard. So I love this so much. Um, So I just want to really briefly touch on intermittent fasting. And then I want to talk a little bit about PMS because we brought it up earlier. And so I'm sure that there are people listening who are like, or women listening who are like, please talk about that more. So intermittent fasting is a huge trend right now. Yes. Pro intermittent fasting, not, I know you were talking about, you know, it's effect on blood sugar balance. I it's, it's a huge trend right now. Who's it good for? It who is. isn't Right. Like I, I, I do. And I, I actually want to say the studies that have done been done on it. It's great. It's fantastic. Um, but I think it just depends on who you are and what you're going through. So like, if you mm-hmm. are struggling with hormonal issues, or if you are feeling very stressed, even you don't even have to test, you just know you're a stressed out person. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're also the person that's not eating enough. I find that it's not, a, I like to call it a season for you to intermittent fast. Yeah. Um, and I only say that because when you restrict time even further, um, let's say you eat at 11 AM and stop that and know six or 7 PM. I find that like, if you can get your food you need in your body for the, you know, 12 plus hours, you're awake. I don't think you can even get it in a restricted form. So <laughs> yes. I would rather you work on getting enough. And then once you become, you know, pro at it and you are getting enough and you can't, your stomach can a lot of people feel like oh, I'm just too full and I just can't feel like I can't digest it. Once you get to a better place, like then yes, you can try to restrict because there is, you know, amazing studies. But I also think that, um, again, maybe that's our population. We just like to be really drastic with everything. <laughs> yes. I see just a 12 hour fast is fantastic yeah. and very doable. It's stop eating after dinner and eat a normal breakfast, um, from, stop eating after six and eat at 8am. Like, I mean, that is a, like, you know, a good solid time not eating. Yeah. So, um, I don't think fasting has to be so dramatic and maybe it's just because the people that tend to come to us are in a season where that's not okay. But Mm -hmm. if that's something you want to do eventually, I definitely think it's doable and it is a great research practice. I just don't think a lot of people are ready for it. Yeah. I love that perspective. I think that's so huge because I think a lot of, there's been a lot of talk too on, you know, it's not great for hormone balance. And I think in my, from my perspective, a lot of it has to do with the fact that you are just stressing your body out more if you're not yeah. in a season to do that. Right. Like it, yeah. you can, if you're, if you're already stressed, if your body's already stressed. <laughs> yeah. If you're already dealing with hormone issues, if you're all, already dealing with gut health issues, if you're already dealing with all the other things, we don't need to add something else to stress our bodies out, like not getting in enough food or shortening that window that, you know, we're eating in. So yeah, I love that. I love your perspective that it can be great, but we need to be in the right season to do it. And it needs to, it needs to work for us and it's okay if it doesn't work for us and it's not our season. So yeah, that's so huge. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Good explanation. It's such a big thing. I hear, I have friends ask me about it all the time and I'm like, it is literally different for everyone. Yes. It's different for just like anything, right? Anything is, anything is so nuanced, which is why I love having these conversations here on the podcast. And we try to, we try to stay as generalized as possible, but it's so much of it is like, Hey, here's some good advice for where to start, but it is nuanced. (laughs) So you want more, this is why we go into testing and we go into these things. And I think a lot of, you know, I've had friends say, Oh, I listen to these podcast interviews and they're always like, we'll just get tested. And I'm like, well, have you tried all the things that they mentioned? (laughs) like, well, yeah. And I'm like, well, then it's time to get tested. It's, you know, it, it really- is. It, 
I think it's funny how we like to DIY diet, but like we never DIY changing our oil in our car or taking care of our teeth, like going Mm -hmm. to the dentist, but like with food and nutrition, like everyone just wants to DIY, but like it is truly customized. And this is coming from someone who runs lots of labs. Mm -hmm. And so even with PCOS is a great example, just because Karen and Brittany have PCOS support, it's completely different. Someone may need to focus on blood sugar. Someone may need to focus on inflammation. I mean, blood sugar definitely has inflammation, but um, maybe inflammation is a little bit more prominent in this person. So that's like same diagnosis, different support. And it all just comes down to like, well, what is it? I know people hate that. Well, it depends. Well, you got to get tested. Like, I don't really know, (laughs) but I mean, you wouldn't say, oh, I think I have cancer, start treating for cancer. No, you get tested and confirmed. And then you get like, you know, the treatment that you need. Um, So I don't know. I, I have a love-hate relationship with the DIY, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> yes. nutrition portion of it. <laughs> well, I think there is, there's a, there's a good place to start for people who might not be able to afford mm-hmm. testing right now, who need a place to start. It's mm-hmm. a great place to be able to, to gain that knowledge and start there. But eventually there, there might come the point where you need that. And that's really important and really powerful too. For um, sure. So I'm getting a little off track, but I do, I do before, before we finish up, I want to talk about PMS and PMS and gut health. We talked about how, you know, hormones in general, you talked a little bit about this, right? Hormones in general can impact our gut health, but can an imbalanced gut specifically contribute to PMS? And what do you recommend for the woman who is dealing with chronic PMS who are, and yeah, I, I, I'm saying chronic PMS, even though. Most, I think yeah. a lot of people are like, well, PMS happens every single month. Isn't that the definition of chronic? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, yeah. have to happen every single month. It, we can, there is healing for it. So, so talk to me about PMS, gut health, all the things. For sure. Yes, definitely. I mean, it definitely can be connected just like we mentioned earlier. Um, I would say PMS definitely looks different for different people. So some people have low progesterone issues, some people have high estrogen. Um, and then if it's that high estrogen, yeah, is it your gut reabsorbing the hormone? Um, so I think detoxification also plays that role when I explained the, the different pathways that estrogen can detox. Um, I think, like I mentioned, that 16-OH, certain pathways that are a little bit higher um, and not enough of a more protective pathway can definitely cause PMS symptoms. So yeah, is your support supporting detox? Is it because there's a gut imbalance and you're reabsorbing estrogen? Is it because there's environmental toxins that you're being exposed to externally that is being um, what we call like xenoestrogens, so influencing your sex hormones? So things you're putting on your skin, cleaning your house with, candles, et cetera, all those parabens, phthalates, you name it, BPA, um, they all play a part in like sex hormone imbalances as well, which then plays a role into PMS. So I usually see either, I think high estrogen or low progesterone. I want to say those are my top two for people who really struggle with PMS. Um, but in the sense of what you can do, obviously addressing those root causes of why it may be happening. But one thing that I did try, um, and I, love it. And I think this, this is pretty good. I feel like for the average person is by soul CBD. It's their PMS relief harmony blend. So it does have CBD, but I love it because it has, um, B6, which helps support progesterone levels. Um, and it has ginger root helps a lot of the GI stuff that can happen. Um, chase berry also can support progesterone levels, um, dandelion root, which helps support like that, like natural, like detox, um, and turmeric and all that stuff for like inflammation. So I would say this is such a good blend. Um, I think I have a code newbie true. 
Yeah, I think it's Nuvi True. <laughs> Everyone like gives me different codes, but Nuvi True for 15% off. Um, so that's a really great blend for PMS that you should try. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I get tested. <laughs> okay, can I tell you? I was literally on the I've never tried Soul CBD. And I was on the website this morning because it was recommended to me earlier Stop. this week. And I was like, so I was looking at so for anxiety. I had a really bad experience with CBD, but it was it was like a very, it was a full spectrum CBD. There might've been some THC in it. I ended up, yeah. it ended up making my anxiety even worse. And I'd only tried, oh. I only tried it that one time. And I'm sort of like, I would That's like scary. to maybe explore it again in a very low dose and a really safe, you know, type of way. And so I'm looking up, so I, they were recommended to me. And so I'm, I was researching, it was this literally on my phone. That's what I was looking at when I was at, I told you I was at the dentist earlier. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, it is crazy that you just made that recommendation. It's meant to be. <laughs> so, it, it is. is meant I to actually be. have it. I will say I've tried a lot of CBDs um, for like anxiety. And to be honest, I honestly didn't find that much relief. Yeah. Um, I've tried a lot of the most popular companies and I have found a really, like I do find relief with like, uh, with soul. Um, yeah. They, I, their drops are a little bit more intense. So this is actually one of their, I think it's lemon time flavor. The blackberry pie is delicious, but mm -hmm. I also try their gummies as well. I think these mm -hmm. are lower dose. So if you wanted yeah. to like ease into it, that's what I was the gummies. It was the gummies. Yeah. But hands down, the only CBD that I feel like actually like helped me with anxiety and um, when I did this like with PMS, I don't really have PMS to be honest. So yeah, but everyone else that has PMS that I have referred to and tried it said it helped a lot. Um, and I just know based on the blend and the herbs, I'm like, oh yeah, I can see why that would help with PMS. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. So I, and I'm like so excited. I'm like, okay, I really need to go try it now. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. This is like a nudge. I'm supposed to try it. Yes. Oh my gosh. So fun. I'll use your code too. So, okay. Do you have any, we've talked about so many things. I've had so much fun talking about everything from food to supplements to lifestyle, you know, gut health, hormone balance, anxiety, mood, all of the things I could talk to you for hours more. <laughs> I know. I love talking about it. Oh my gosh. It's so fun. And there's so much more to talk about. And I think ultimately it comes down to, there are a lot of things that we can do. There's also resources out there to help us if we are struggling with these things, but what are your, any of your like last pieces of wisdom or advice or things that you want the woman listening to know, maybe things we haven't touched on or something that you kind of want to reemphasize? I would say, you know, yeah, start with the basics. Um, I think that's ever, something everyone can do, even like without testing, like start with the basics, um, with food, like answering the question, can you grow it? Can you kill it? If you can answer one of those questions, you know, that you're probably eating a real food, um, assessing your stress, like actually assessing your stress. <laughs> I know everyone says it, but please like actually take a look at that. Um, and then getting movement in, of course, and I don't think we talked too much about exercise, but you know, getting movement in, and I know a lot of women love cardio or just think that cardio is their and I'll be all for weight and all that. And honestly, like strength training is honestly more where it's at. And that's like the most anti-aging thing you can do. Um, and also not forgetting like the small movements. They make a huge difference with just like walking and just, you know, making sure you're walking like eight to 10,000 steps. And that plays a huge role at the end of the day. So not minimizing those small things as well. Mm, yeah, I think, yeah, that's such a good piece of advice just overall, not minimizing the small things. Those small things mm -hmm. really do add up, whether it's movement or the small things we can do to improve the way that we are eating, the way that we're reducing our stress. Yeah, 
Yes. I love it so much. So I have some really fun rapid fire questions I love to ask at the very end. Yay. But before we jump to those, I would love to hear, just share with my listeners where they can find you, social media, website, how can they work with you? Yes. Um, you can find me over on Facebook. Who honestly is on Facebook, honestly, for business? No one. So find me on Instagram. I'm <laughs> at new wellness and you V I T R U wellness, all one word. Um, that's where we mostly hang out. It's our favorite place to be. Um, and then our website's www.newvtruewellness.com. And that's where you'll find all of our labs. You can download samples. You can see what we offer, packages, pricing. I'm really transparent about it because I don't want to be like, I don't know. As a consumer, I hate when it's just like, boom, call. And then I'll show you. No, no, I share my prayers through before. So you can kind of get a grasp (laughs) for like how we work and what we do and if we're your jam. Um, But you can book a free call with me after that. It's like, yeah, this looks good. Let's let's talk. Um, And then on my podcast, Functional Nutrition Radio, where, you know, I talk all things nutrition, different topics, not even nutrition, just healthy living in general. Um, Yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. I love it. And we will put links to everything in the show notes so they can go and find you. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't know you had a podcast. And so now I'm going to go check your podcast out. <laughs> I have <laughs> an Instagram, but yeah. Yeah. I've been podcasting for uh, since like 2015. I used to do interviews a lot. I love them, but yeah. I think more people wanted to like learn straight from me. So we switched over to solo a couple of years ago. Um, and I still love it. I definitely don't feel like I promote it as much as I, as I should though. No, I had no <laughs> idea you had a podcast, which is a problem. Cause now I feel like I need to go binge your podcast. Cause I want to yeah. hear so much more from you. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. And obviously our listeners are podcast listeners, so they're going to go and subscribe right away. So yes. I love it. Yay for podcasting. Okay. So last but not least, let's finish with some dessert, otherwise known as rapid fire questions. <laughs> so are you okay. ready? Love it. Yes. Okay. I think you answered this question already. Um, but coffee or tea? <laughs> um tea matcha chai my jam you mentioned matcha earlier so I thought that was going to be your answer (laughs) question number two podcast or book depends it depends on um what it is so educational health stuff book textbook but anything business podcast Mm, I love it what did you eat for breakfast this morning Actually, my mother-in-law's in town, so she made me breakfast. Um, oh, gluten-free nice. toast with grass-fed butter, um, an omelet with like ham, peppers, onions, and then I think she threw an orange. So it was really good. <laughs> Very that balanced. sounds delicious. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> what is your first choice when you're ordering takeout? We are so lucky here in Austin of having so many like good foods. So I tend to prefer bowl places. So Mm. like Honest Mary's or Kava, like where you can just kind of build your bowl grains, has a protein and just a ton of vegetables. So, and a sauce. So that's my jam. I love that. Early bird or night owl? Early bird, 100%. Me too. Everyone looks at me like, how can you be so chipper in the morning? I'm like, I love it. <laughs> I think everyone is honestly so different. My husband cannot wake up in the morning no matter what we do. And I'm like, good morning. He's like, no. <laughs> oh, I get that. And last but not least, what does balance mean to you in this season? Oh, and this is coming off of just finishing up my master's. So balance has been my lifeline for years, honestly, since I've been a mom. So I was 18. Um, but in this season, it's just making sure that where my priorities are. And right now it's just like business, I'll throw in school because I'm not done, and family and just self, um, and just making sure that those three main categories are top priority. And everything else that falls out of those three categories 
are put to the side and feeling okay um, with saying no and putting that to the side because I know this is like really what matters. Um, and once, as long as I stay within that core, I feel balanced and I feel like I'm checking off all the boxes on all of them. So I don't feel depleted or missing out, like I'm missing out on anything. Mm. Oh, I love that. It's so important. I think I've had, I have asked this question in different ways for years and so much of it is, you know, we've really got to prioritize. We've got to prioritize yeah. the things that are really, truly the most important to let the other things go and be okay with saying no. So I love yeah. it. And that brings us back to how important it is to reduce stress for our <laughs> hormones and for our gut, right? So it's always full circle around here. So, oh my gosh, Lahana, this was such a great conversation. I had so much fun. Like I said, I could keep talking to you for so long. Ditto. So we will definitely stay in touch. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, for giving us your time and your knowledge today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.